Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Fashion Grunge Pod. I'm Lauren. We are talking girl today from 1998. I don't want to say it's a like hotly requested title, but a few people have told me to watch this. So it's February. This kind of sort of counts and neither one of us had seen it before. So this is fresh going in. What, oh, you, yeah. what, do you, what do you think? What, what was your like takeaway? Like overall takeaway? We'll get into it. My overall takeaway was this was I, I couldn't take it seriously. But as soon as I stopped taking it seriously, I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it yeah, it's, it's bad objectively. Like if we're just talking about like, is this a great movie? No, the characters are pretty except for like one or two. Everything is pretty unbelievable. Our main character is just uh, no. And it's it's just a lot. It's just like a lot. I I think they kind of, um, they go with like, yeah, the teenage narration of, you know, like good girl, perfect grades, you know, getting into like an Ivy League college, but falling for essentially like the bad boy musician. This is set in Portland, right? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's just kind of her introduction to like the the music scene, and um, it, yeah, you know, I I would love to say that this was like a relatable teenage story, but it was written and directed, and what else? Like it was based on a book, and it was mm-hmm. all written by men. And I, you brought that up, and I was like, well, it shows. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's so like it's just like missing it's missing like the exact like feeling of being a teenage girl there are some things that like I was like okay like I, I remember you know I remember these awkward moments like when I was a teenager oh um, yeah but like yeah I'm gonna have to look at some of my notes but it was once I once I took it for like what it was I did enjoy watching it I I enjoyed it because it was so good slash bad that I felt like I was transported right back to 1998. Like I felt like when I was at school with them, this is like how mundane it actually was to be in school and everyone was wearing very age appropriate costumes. So I feel like it really put me in that zone and also made me a little bit cringy. But then I realized this is 98. This is four years after Kurt Cobain has been gone. So there's so much Kurt Cobain talk, like drink if they say grunge or Kurt yeah. Cobain. So I was like, damn, I should have done this movie a lot earlier then. <laughs> this probably fits <laughs> in with like the whole, the whole like podcast. But in general, I feel like I don't want to come off or I, I don't want to come off that like men can't write a good story about a woman because that's not true. Like vice versa, they totally can. I just think that A, this is a book. So I will reserve judgment because the book I'm sure is a bit more detailed, I would assume, into her and maybe it doesn't translate onto film that well i don't know i'll give him some leeway for that but also like i love dominic swain or dominique swain she's in face off she's in this movie called tart that i think i told you about um i put her in that kirsten dunst uh indie actress of the late 90s and like kirsten dunst really took off when she got spider-man like that's what kind of made her like a-list but for a while i feel like she could have played this role like they would have maybe been up for similar roles, but Dominique Swain, like, never really, like, she never got a big one. Not that I can remember, because I don't, she was in Lolita in, like, 97, which I still haven't seen, because I find the premise kind of creepy, but I heard it's really good. 
Um, she's in this. Yeah, Face Off was 97. Like, she was always, like, the kind of supporting. So this is cool that she's in, that she's the lead of this, which I find cool. Um, Tart, she's also the lead. Tart's actually really good. That has, like, we have to do that one. That one's, like, Brad Renfro, BG Phillips. Like, it's a very, like, oh, wow. uh, it's a, yeah, it's a very cool, but it, it's similar. She's, like, a prep school girl in New York City. And she's, like, with all these, like, wealthy friends and stuff. And get kind of, like, kind of gets caught up and stuff. But that's another, like, coming-of-age film. But maybe this book is better. But, I mean, we had amazing performances from Summer Phoenix and Tara Reid. I feel yeah. like were the real standouts. That I, and everyone's in this movie. Cleo Duvall is in this movie. Um, there there were so many stopped. faces. There was even, I, I think I, I, I was, like, texting you when I was watching it. Like, even, like, um, the ex-boyfriend from Bring It On was in it and yeah. i was like everybody's in this movie <laughs> everyone was in this movie which is kind of weird that i had a really big like cult uh casting kind of at the time but it's definitely a cult film because i i'm curious again to see how many people listen to this one if they've even seen it it is free on tubi though so you can watch it which is which is pretty cool oh yeah and like uh portia de rossi mm-hmm. um I, Sean but, Patrick Flannery. Do you know him? No. Wait. He's I, in Boondock see. Saints. Wait. Uh, that's the guy who who plays Todd Sparrow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had never seen him in anything. I, it's interesting that they chose him because I feel like they, like, I kind of said that Todd Sparrow was, like, a great value Kurt Cobain, but he also kind of gives me a little bit of, like, Kid Rock vibe. Not oh, personality, but, like, visually, he, like, kind of looks he like does. Kid Rock. He definitely does, yeah. Oh, he was, like, not... I mean, I don't know. The, the guy that was in the band with him looks so much like Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. Yeah. Like, first, like his hair was like, is that Mark McGrath? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I was like, this is the guy that you like. This is the guy that you're, and also this, you can really tell because this is how like men write like young girls. They think they're, this is how they want them to be, I think. And I feel like in reality, and it, this movie also gets compared to my so-called life, like having a little bit of elements of it. I think that is a massive disservice to my so-called life, but I can see it in basically the way that she looks, the way that Portia de Rossi really mimics Rayanne, the way that Todd really mimics Jordan Catalano. And some scenes that happen between Angela and Jordan. But I mean, that show is near perfect and it's written by a woman just because yeah. it's the women's POV too. But also the thing I felt, I liked the fact that this had that voiceover, but then I realized that like it was completely unnecessary and it kind of took away from the film about halfway through. I was like, Ooh, I like the voiceover. This is like my so-called life, like Angela. And then I was like, Oh, this doesn't need it. This is actually really annoying that she's her inner monologue is so juvenile that yeah. it would have gone so much further if we just didn't know we were just watching her do this. Yeah, that is that is true cuz at first I did like the um I did like the voiceover and yeah, it did kind of remind me of my so-called life. Um I I think if if like cuz this plot goes all over the place. This is like there's some crazy things that are just happening throughout the movie. Um but maybe let's say with the narration if it got deeper or if it got mm -hmm. more serious because i still feel like the voiceover stays pretty light and um it, it kind of it, it kind of gives us some uh comedic relief at times but yeah. like you said it's like juvenile like yeah it, it is it's yeah. Like a, 
a juvenile, you know, just like point of view on everything. Um, but yeah. Which a girl from Brown wouldn't have. A girl who's going to Brown wouldn't have. That's what that there's so many like inconsistencies because I feel like if she's this smart and she's straight A and she's all this, she's a bit more like emotionally intelligent than to act this way. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of that's how I would feel, at least some of the decisions that she makes. Like, especially the way she like totally brushes off the fact that she has all these friends around her who are like really going through trauma and it's like all about her. Yeah. Yep. And all, and she doesn't she see anything. Getting Todd Sparrow's D. <laughs> right. I, that's another thing I texted you. I was like, "What was up with this genre of like losing your virginity at all costs by the end of the ninety minutes genre of the nineties? Like <laughs> it was like American Pie, <laughs> like this. I mean, like even just random. Like another. I have a gripe with she's all that. I I've seen it once, probably twenty years ago, and I will not watch it again because. I thought it was bad. I, l- I mean, I'm sorry, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I know Freddie Prince Jr. is <laughs> hot, but like, I'm sorry. He he can't act his way out of a paper bag for me. To watch him for an entire film was like pretty torturous. And I personally <laughs> think that that storyline was done better in 10 Things I Hate About You. So yeah. that was always like the one that I referred to because it's the same thing. Like, I- I'm a- am I a bet? Like, am I going out with you for a bet kind of thing? But I feel like the whole like let's lose our virginity, and then they, the 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 way both of them were like, "Who cares who it is? Let's just go to this random house party." I was like, "Okay, okay," like, no, like, no, yeah, that no, it's just, it's, it's just it's bad. There's nothing good can come out of this, and you know what? Something bad did come out of this, and she didn't care. No. <laughs> Like, like Darcy poor was basically, yeah, poor Selma Blair also playing like the same role um, later on in Cruel Intentions. But she, I think, like the year after this, also David Moscow, who plays uh, not Richard, he plays the guy that um, like this has a trigger warning for suicide randomly at the very end that I had no idea um, was they didn't explain that well at all. But their friend who does die, he. Like him and Selma Blair were in the sitcom right after this called Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane. It's like one of my favorite random sitcoms of the 90s. So I find that funny that they were in this and then they are later in a sitcom. But oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. But I was like, damn, Selma Blair. I, and one of my notes was you can always count on Selma Blair to be cast as like the zany but sometimes bitchy friend. She was yeah. the same way in Legally Blonde. <laughs> like yeah, she... exactly. <laughs> but I do, lo- I do love me some Selma Blair though. I she, like, really does cool. something, she, like, does this um, mannerism with her mouth when she acts and she, like, plays those characters and she did it so much in this. And every time, every time she did it, like, it would, like, make me laugh. I don't know why, um, but I, I liked Darcy. I felt bad for Darcy. Um, Darcy also kind of gave me vibes of, um, who's, um, who's the nerdy friend in Freaks and Geeks? Millie? Millie. She reminds me of Millie. <laughs> I am obsessed with Millie. <laughs> Millie what, what's like, that? Where she's like, Jesus is all right with me. Yeah. <laughs> and she's playing it at the party and they're all like drinking Dude, fake beer. She's <laughs> a fucking rock star, Millie. <laughs> I love her. I love Millie. She's, oh my God. Millie's my favorite. I'm so upset that show had one season and that the networks just were like, meh, this is a whatever show. I'm like, Rob. this is the most iconic show. <laughs> like, how can you we do that? Robbed. We were robbed. 
We were really raw, but we got at least, what, 18 episodes, I think, of great TV and before the days where we actually knew what some of these people were doing on the other side. So, I mean, I guess we can always have that. We can always have Freaks and Geeks because that's That's basically it. It's sad. It's so sad. Um, Let's see. So my other note was at every point they hammer home the fact that she has old parents, even down to the fact that, like, he was, the dad was taking a picture of her at graduation, like, bending down. Then he's like, oh my back (laughs) it's like we get it her parents are like 75 and she's 18 (laughs) like we totally get it i have no idea how they had this child um i forgot to mention it's directed by jonathan khan who i think directed one other thing and i'm pretty sure was like banished i have no idea what the fuck he did i was looking for his instagram i was looking for photos of him on google i couldn't find anything nothing Nothing. what did he this wasn't that bad yeah, I feel I feel like this movie shouldn't have banished him from the internet. So it's either no. it's either like I don't know. I'm like, what happened to him? Something happened where he doesn't want to be found. And I'm I curious. Mean, There's a mystery here that needs to be solved. I mean, I think people are probably just like the thing is, is this movie had so many things going for it, but it was just like a rewritten script. And I'm sorry to say, Dominique Swain. And Sean Patrick Flannery, better leads. If we could have like swapped those two out for better leads, I feel like yeah. this would have been a completely different film. And I do like Dominique Swain. I know there's some like she's got a hive out there. Um, so I do, I do like her, but I feel like she, she wasn't like bringing it. But I feel like that also could be because the script was kind of bad. So. Yeah. I don't know, like, really who to blame. Sean Patrick Flannery, I don't know what happened with Todd in the beginning. He was, like, this, like you said, like, great value Kurt Cobain with, like, a definite, what's his name, Scott Stapp from Creed. Like, that's basically what he was singing. And I was like, this is why I don't like when people, like, down the grunge genre. You know, like, this was 98. This is when the labels were trying to just make money off, like, what was left in the drain, so to speak. Like, the, the big heavy hitters had, like, moved on and either, like, cemented legacy status or the indie indie rock was like about to start to like come in i mean it already was but this is kind of like the last growl of like quote-unquote grunge but that was not grunge that was like someone in a letterbox review said like this movie thought it was nirvana but it was more like lifehouse i was like about lifehouse (laughs) oh no lifehouse is even further down than creed like creed at least played some kind of like halftime show at some football game (laughs) so they were big enough to do that but i was like oh that's sad but but yeah i mean and also the soundtrack was weird like i try i couldn't find any of the songs on shazam because everything was playing so low in the background yeah i was like i can't hear any of these songs and this is supposed to be like a music movie so yeah that was a down the only like music that i was truly i mean i guess we can get more into that when we fully talk about it but there were scenes where the um just the ska music (laughs) It would be like the transition. Yeah, yeah and I'd be like, okay, of course this movie was made in 98. Like, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been made in 98 if there wasn't ska in it. <laughs> Just make a ska movie. It's time. <laughs> like, it's been time. I think they should. This is the kind of movie I would make. Like, if I was going to make a movie and I read this book, I would be like, yes, I want to make the fuck out of this movie. But I would definitely not make it like this. I would yeah. make it way cooler. But I, I did like the, the premise. And the concept, I think it was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's substance there. 
I think it just wasn't um this wasn't done maybe the way that I as a viewer would want it to be. Yeah, that's true. But but again, like it was still a fun watch. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun watch. I definitely have to say this is for me, I think I text you too. It felt like a Sunday afternoon TV movie. Yes. Um, it very much felt like something you would catch on TV in like the early 2000s. Like, oh, what is this? And it's like one of those movies. Um, my last question before we move on to like our scanty behind the scenes, because there's barely anything. <laughs> Do what is your who was your first like musician crush? Like your first like, did you have a frontman crush? Like she's obsessed oh with this guy. Lauren, I was gonna ask you that too. Like, oh, I was no way. Say, like who's who's your Todd Sparrow? Um, I would have to say um it was probably nick zinner Ooh, okay from from yeah 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 but like if we're talking like singer yeah like who's your like heartthrob crush like do you have like a singer one probably connor oberst (laughs) mine are like so toxic (laughs) they're like guys you would never want to actually be with I, I mean, I'm sure Connor Oberst is toxic as fuck too. Like <laughs> that's true in a different way. Yeah, just in a different way. But oh my god, like I was, I was in love with with Connor Oberst. Like in my head, we had a, a full on relationship going on. <laughs> just kidding, but but that's yeah, a girl can dream. Okay, what was yours? Ooh, okay. Well, this is like a huge shocker because I'm younger and didn't get to really experience the like obsession of Kurt Cobain in real time like I was on the tail end and I was younger I never had that obsession with him looks wise like I do like him but I think it's just that I admire and I love the music so much so I never was like oh he's super hot so I guess when I was like 13 14 is when I was like oh okay these are like these band guys the hot one of my first main men was Gavin Rossdale from Bush holy fucking shit like I was just obsessed with him I was like oh my god he's so hot Scott Weiland was another one that I was like mm-hmm. fully obsessed with everything they did. I'm still obsessed with Scott Weiland. I guess those are like my main, they were like the alternative rock guys. Like I did like Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder and like those kind of guys, but like Mark McGrath had a huge crush on from Sugar Ray. I was like, he's so hot in that fly video. It was like, it was, like really embarrassing. But I think, I think Gavin Rossdale, I would put down as like my first like musician heartthrob where he was like the singer and like, you know, played guitar when he was at Woodstock with his shirt off and that leopard. Actually, I saw them too. I saw him and No Doubt or Bush and No Doubt on the Tragic Kingdom tour, like when they met. So I oh, think sure. that also is that I was like 13 and that was the first like guy that I saw in real time, like playing guitar like that, being like, oh my God, yeah. I'm obsessed with you, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but he's yeah. not a good guy because look what he did to our Gwenny. Yeah. So, seriously. yeah. I. I guess I would also say this was like when I was like younger, younger. Um, I love uh, Billy Joe Armstrong. Oh, I thought yeah. he was so cute. He is um, super cute. But but yeah, when, when I think of like full on obsession, Fretman, it was yeah, it was Connor. <laughs> Connor, Connor Oberst. Wow, what a dark horse. Right? But then yet not at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, what's a sign? Am I gonna be oh, one of those yeah. people? That would um, actually he's an Aquarius because he's the <gasps> sa- he has the same birthday as Jonah. <gasps> no way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, he doesn't have a date here, it just says nineteen eighty on uh, Google. Hmm. Um 
how secretive. It's <laughs> funny how like uh, how like Gen Z thinks so differently of like of these or, or not even Gen Z, but just like younger generation of like like younger generation does not like Connor Oberst. Why? I'm of what they would think of of like Gavin Rossdale and do they even know who he is? I mean, Bush was not that big. I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel like I feel like the younger generation would would prefer Bush over Connor Oberst. Mm, yeah, I guess so. Because, like, at least from what I've seen, like, he like he's played um, festivals, and like these kids are like, "Who the fuck is a sad drunk man on stage?" Like, tell him to go. No. Oh <laughs> yeah, shit! People are brutal to him. Oh wow! <laughs> His sad boyness has like not. It has not aged well, which is like kind of unfortunate because I still think he's a great songwriter. But he's like OG, like music baby girl, though. Like he <laughs> he he would be in that category. Why do they not? Like I don't get why they're not into it. I feel like they would be like, oh, he's so cute and like sad. Like I feel like that's kind of like the baby girl thing has gotten <laughs> so out of control. But I find so funny. Oh, dude. Jacob Elordi is baby girl like uh, oh, I don't think Barry is I think that. he's too aggressive I think Barry yeah. Keoghan is in the Barry is daddy yeah <laughs> is he because he's an actual dad like oh god <laughs> he's an actual dilf he lives in the category with like guys who are like in their 40s and like mid and late 30s but but like same with but there's it's weird the whole I see what people comment like baby girl on there's been a Vogue article about it I was like okay this is this is a lot but like who is and who isn't you're like austin butler no he's not it's like who is it's almost like who's in who's out like who's baby girl what does that mean like it means that you're kind of like sensitive but you're still like masculine like what is it's like metrosexual is that what it is is that what it like what it was in like the early 2000s your sexuality yes maybe that's it metrosexual is the same thing I feel bad for Jacob Elordi in a way. I feel, I feel at least maybe I just feel that way after the SNL thing. But I really I do feel like they, they like sexualized him and like made him seem like this like they dumb cutie, you know. And I'm like, I really think he's more than that. I mean, granted, I don't know him, but I just feel like they like put him in this little stereotype. And it was, like, really uncomfortable to watch. I couldn't finish it. It's interesting to see that they're doing the same treatment to some... That it's become more socially acceptable to, like, openly thirst over men. When that would never yeah. happen in the 90s. Like, yeah, in the 90s, there might be someone like Brad Pitt or someone would come on stage and people would be like, ah! But, like, to ev- every woman or, like, every pop star, everyone's ev- always over-sexualized. Britney Spears, everything. When they even, like, Lindsay Lohan when she was on SNL like that's totally fine you can do whatever you want to the women like they don't really have a a problem but I feel like it's new that you get like that they're leaning into it like the men are not like no no we don't want to be looked at as objects like we want you know you don't look at our work they're now leaning straight into it and in kind of like a like Jeremy Allen White with that like like a thirst trap like a thirst trap in real life that they're doing with those like the Calvin Klein ads that he mm-hmm. did like he was just like huh, yeah you know like right before the red carpet they're all into it they're talking about like you know that jacob alordi like candle 
like they're just leaning like straight into it and really just kind of going for it. It's really interesting that they're Pedro Pascal is in that in that white boy of the month. Yeah, he's the daddy because he's like late forties. Yeah, he's like zaddy or. But then that gets annoying too because I think recently or not recently, but like so like a few months ago, he was talking about like um like okay like i'm over the daddy thing and someone called him a daddy on like a red carpet and it was the way that she did it was so cringe like he was walking and she was like hey pedro ooh, like come on daddy and he like he was kind of like like it's this daddy thing again like i got it because he plays lots of dads too just in his roles you know I i don't even know i feel like it's just like I don't know. I would get so annoyed. I could never be famous. I couldn't deal with never. any of the shit these guys are dealing with. Never. I couldn't deal with like rat, like the way that people even write. I think I talked about this with uh, you or maybe someone else. I'm not sure, but even just like the rabidness of fandoms now and like what the, oh, this, it was uh, the last episode that, Oh, pluck. I talked to old millennials podcast uh, a few days ago. So that's up. It's already up when you hear this, but we were talking about, I was like, you know, fandoms now are like really scary. Like, yeah. let's imagine you're Jacob Elordi and you're like, oh, I'm going to go on, like, Twitter or whatever and, like, see what people are saying about me. And people are talking about, like, crazy sexual things they want to do to you and you're like, okay, this is weird. Like, I mean, I get that they're being funny, but, like, when is someone not being funny? Like, yeah. when is someone just going to come out of the shadows and, like, do something? I don't know. You know, like, it's, it's, I can never totally. be famous, ever. Kind of like when Robert Pattinson um, took his stalker to dinner and then just complained to her for like four hours and then she never bothered him again which is like that's a movie <laughs> like <laughs> good for him he he is so um i i wish i wish i was more like robert pattinson in that way like good for him i want i want him and joaquin phoenix to do a movie together i feel like <gasps> they both have the same like kind of chaotic like am i kidding energy but they can both be like bad but maybe a rom-com with like the two of them and then like two other women and they have to like they're both friends and they're like we need to meet like you know a nice girl or something and they like end up meeting meeting people and i don't know that who i pair with kind them of incredible who would i pair with them who would be the two friends who would be the other the two women that both of them would end up meeting and like you know getting with in the end Oh, that's a good. Who'd be good with Pattinson? I don't know Uh, why, but who's the one who was in um in that one Black Mirror episode with the red hair? Oh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, I think she would be interesting. She'd be good for like for Joaquin. And Mm -hmm. I don't for Robert Pattinson. It has to be a real unique, a real unique character. I wonder. I'm trying to think of like, oh, you know what would be really good? I mean, it's another like redhead though, so it'd be kind of weird. But it'd be cool to see the girl who her name is Sarah Snook. She recently won for Succession. She's like the sister. Oh yeah. Like she, I want to see her in something different, or one of like the girls from Yellow Jackets. Oh yeah. Like oh, Christina Ricci. Let's put yes. Christina Ricci yes, and Christina Robert Pattinson in a rom com yes. together. <laughs> immediately yeah. i want i want this to be like not not just like any rom-com not like not like girl rom-com i want this to be like if if Bo is afraid was a rom-com oh my god <laughs> like a weird 
super dark satire of a rom-com. Yeah. Throw yeah. Elijah Wood in there. Throw yeah. Elijah Wood in there. Throw, um, throw like a whole, just get like seven guys and seven girls. <laughs> just like make an ensemble cast of this like really wild story. We should be okay, casting Laura- agents. Yeah, we should be casting agents. We should be writers. This is a great... I'm glad we're recording this because we can write it down. We can pitch it to someone. And uh, and then we'll make the movie. And then no one will be able to find us on Google because we won't oh, be on it'll it'll be be Spanish. It'll be so bad. No, Robert Pattinson <laughs> would do it. The thing is, Robert Pattinson and Joaquin might be like, yeah, I'll do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> why not? <laughs> we're like, cool. <laughs> We're like Team Edward, by the way, it, and no one can say Jacob on the set at all. That's our the, that's our only stipulation. Um, oh, and no one can talk about Joker too because that shit could have been an email. I'm not looking forward to that fucking movie. Oh, yeah, I was Gaga in it. Yeah, so a musical. <laughs> no, so disappointed. No. Okay, so behind the scenes. I didn't find much. Only that IMDb gave it a 5.7 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes audience give it a 75. That's pretty high for the public. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Now, Letterboxd gave it a 2.7 out of 5. In lieu of any... This is what I'm going to do going forward. I guess it's kind of late since this is episode 175. But if I can't find any behind the scenes, I'm going to read like funny letterbox reviews. Yeah. Because I feel like there's not much else. Did you find anything about this movie? I found nothing. I, nothing. I I looked, I searched, I, I looked for interviews on YouTube and I couldn't find anything. Yeah, same. I know. It's, it's really sad. Hidden. It's okay, really sad. Do, do you have some good uh, letterbox? Mm-hmm, yeah, I have some good mm-hmm. letterbox ones. These are in order of uh, the just review activity. I don't think it's by date or anything. So they're all over. So Reservoir Thought... <laughs> Gives it a star and a half, and they say this is a Kurt Cobain fan fiction. <laughs> I kind of love that one. Um, let's see. Another one says, let's see, three and a half stars by Markella says, in 1997, a 10-year-old girl has a fever dream about teen bulimia, teen suicide, teen sex, girls becoming women, being friends with gay guys, kissing girls, post-grunge music post-ska music, Limp Biscuit, and having adult men falling in love with bland robots with braided hair. The 10-year-old girl has a 9-year-old girl write the script. A 95-year-old man that watched the trailer for Clueless gave them the green light. I hate everything about this movie, and I can't wait to show it to my friends. (laughs) That one was really good. That's so funny. Oh, God. Um, Let's see. Another one is, uh, let's see... Three stars by Gabrielle. Sybil is a lesbian icon and I love her. (laughs) That's really funny. Um, Let's see. Is this a long one? No, that's too long. Someone's like, this is by Mel. Two stars after, but make it Kurt Cobain. Oh, God. Um, Two stars is the last one I'll read. Two stars by Callie Pat says, the highlight of this movie is two minutes in when Adam Scott jerks off to Dominique Swain while she's passed out at a party. It's all voiceover-induced downhill roll from there. (laughs) God, it is. I was like, is this, am I actually watching this? This is so bad and cringe. There were so many cringy parts. There were... I don't I don't know if you have any quotes, but like one of the craziest parts was (laughs) in the beginning. And I I literally put in my notes, um, 
ew, if I hear this dude say rape one more time, ew, I'm going I to know. kill myself. <laughs> Oh, it's so gross. Some of these reviews, one review just has, quote, you bet I know gay people. (laughs) Some of the lines are really funny, I have to say. Someone says, "Um, he's no Kurt Cobain girl, he's a Nickelback. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god. He actually is, yeah. I think he's a Scott Stapp more than a Nickelback. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny. Scott Stapp. Oh man, it's it was kind of wild. I mean, it was it was wild, but it was funny. I think if you haven't seen it, I'll just list it under like it's just so camp and so ridiculous. Of, I mean, yeah, it's worth watching. I think it's totally worth watching if if you just like this kind of don't take this seriously because it's it's not serious in any way. Um, do you have anything for behind the scenes? I I have nothing. Yeah, there wasn't anything other than some goofs. Um. Just oh like yeah, what did you get? What are some goofs? Um, when Tara Reid or when Sybil is playing um, on stage, her um, her mouth is not syncing up whatsoever to oh. the vocals. And then if you watch her hands when she's playing like the bass, like her hands are not doing the motions. It's literally she's just like like moving her hands up and down the scale. Oh no! Yeah, uh, or Damn. up the fretboard. Yeah, which that was kind of funny to to me as a musician. Like I can pick that stuff out. Like, but but usually, like in movies, people be you know like like it may not be perfect, but like it's passable. But this was not passable, and it was just making me giggle. Oh my god, that's so crazy! Yeah, I wouldn't have noticed that. Any others, or is that a? That's it. Oh, man. Not even a lot of goofs. Oh, well. <laughs> Just one. Okay. Well, fashion, uh, Magda La- Lauda Lavadens is the uh, costume designer. Only had one other credit, and it was like a random film. So not even any uh, any real big notable oh, wow. people doing costume design. I actually really loved the costumes. I have to say, um, Portia de Rossi had the best costumes. So good. Um, she looked I think great. Her, her hair was super cool, especially like when she kind of like, because they were definitely playing up the uh, like in '98, like the braids mm-hmm. with like your hair up. Like, it, I kind of think of like Fiona Apple did it, and um, like basically yeah any artist of that time was doing that with their hair where it'd be like two braids in the front and there'd just be like random braids everywhere alanis um, i think alanis, did it yeah. yeah and rayanne rayanne and famously uh angela when she does uh it's like later on in the season in my so-called life where she's trying to impress this guy and she like not only crimps her hair but she makes all these like super tiny braids in the front and puts like rubber bands on them so it looks so obvious and like everyone's like, oh my God, you did your hair. And she's like, yeah. And it's it's like, that's exactly what the girl looked like. Except for the crazy amounts of hair barrettes <clears throat> that she had that like matched everything, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah. I also really liked um, Sybil had this like red. It was almost like a big oversized red. I don't know if it was a coat or just like this. I'm trying to find pictures of it but it was Sybil like one of her performance outfits cool oh yeah. okay okay she had but, such cool style 
she did have really cool style and like her hair i feel like honestly the hair was was cooler than some of the outfits like to be honest i'm not a big fan of like the uh the cow print clothing like that actually just no, came like back it. in the past couple years and i'm just like not about it i i think out of all the cool animal prints like i just think like the spotted black and white cow print is like it's just <laughs> no. i would much rather see leopard print all over the place than cow print sam um I'm trying to think of anything else. Any clothes? Sybil had that really cool, like, puffy vest that was two different colors that was, like, you'd find in a thrift store in the 90s. It looked very 70s. I thought that was really cool. And her makeup. Sybil had, like, the the makeup on her eyebrows. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was so cool when she would perform. Kudos to Tara Reid. I thought she was great. Yeah, you know, I... I, I agree with that. Kudos to Tara Reid, especially because when I see her now, she's like, I feel like she's kind of, granted, I don't know her. I don't want to say anything mean, but she seems like she's lost in 2004. Mm-hmm. And and her her Instagram's pretty uh pretty entertaining. Like, I would suggest just going on it. And, like, sometimes I get, like, Britney vibes. Mm-hmm. from tara's instagram but she was very good in this and you know what she was also really good in a lot of other movies like josie and the pussycat she this girl can act yeah she is i feel like she is one of unfortunately she really reminds me of someone that hollywood like chewed up and spat out yes like yes. as when she was hot at the time like it must have been this was right before american pie but i think american pie was like where she everyone knew who she was and I feel like at that point, like she played that character, like the hot blonde character all the time. And then she just got stuck there. Almost yeah. like the Paris Hilton. She was like one of the Paris Hilton girls. Like she was out in LA with like, you know, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, like Nicole Richie. Like she was part of like that LA paparazzi crew and was yeah. always at clubs and was like probably dating actors that were like big in the early 2000s or whatever. But I don't know. She did that show called Wild and Out, which I loved. But then in hindsight, it was just like a paid vacation for her to get shit faced and like talk to people all over the world. Like it probably wasn't good for her to get paid to do that. And I'm I don't know. It just seems very much like she was like she's a Hollywood like broken person, you know, like definitely the vibe I get from it. It's sad. It is sad. Because some people don't make it out at all, or some people, you know, either they make it out and then they don't ever go back there, or some people like are, you know, still trying. But this is really shows that she's more than that, that type. I don't know if her agents just were like, no, no, this is what people want you for. This is what you should just be doing now. Like, don't worry about doing like a serious film anymore. I would have liked to see her in more of these kind of, um, outsider serious mm-hmm. roles because because she played it really well and she was cool like when she goes over to the um over to the cafeteria table and they're like cool hair and she's like it doesn't matter and i was like you're so cool i know she's so cool she's like the she was kind of like a daria or like a jane yeah in yep. this movie she was just really i don't know she just seemed really like wholesome and and then she got thrust into like this horrible decision where she had to 
well, she didn't have to leave her band, but she was like propositioned. That was also very dark. The fact that like we didn't see her for two days, I thought she was gonna die. I thought she they were gonna find out that she died, and then we find out that like she was offered like a solo deal, but like then she said she was staying at the 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 record guy's house. Like, oh yeah, he has crash pads. If I need to stay somewhere overnight, I was like, did you sleep with this guy to get a record deal? Like, it seems very dark. And then also, she had the bandages on her wrists. So I didn't know if that was a lie and that she'd attempted something. I don't know. That part didn't oh. make a lot of sense. Because when if you see her, if you watch it back, and she finally finds her, like, Andrea finally meets up with Sybil, she has these two, like, white bandages on her wrist that I don't think are bracelets. And I thought that she was in the hospital, but she just doesn't want to say anything. And she's like, oh, yeah, I got a record deal. But then she actually did. Like, then later on in the story, I was like, oh, wait, because that guy is here and she's opening for Color Green. So she really did get a record. That wasn't just a ruse to tell people that where she was. That's why I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah, there are so many, there are so many plot holes in this, uh, in, in this movie. Like, and we, we kind of know that Sybil comes from, like, a, a rough, you know, a rough house. And, like, even, uh. Even like our main character, she's when she goes to Sybil's house, she's like, I could never be an artist because like I didn't grow up a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I did kind of like that, um, that part. But, um, sorry, I was looking at my quotes. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of good quotes though. Do you have any more fashion, uh, fashion standouts? Um, yeah, the last one I was thinking of was uh, Sybil's. Uh, bandmate had this green sweater the one who talked about uh Kurt Cobain not showering oh um, yeah David he, Moscow yeah yeah he had this green sweater and I thought it was very Kurt Cobain Kurt was everywhere like I, yeah. I didn't really pay attention to it I guess when I was younger I didn't see this movie either but I don't remember people talking about him in movies and stuff I remember there's a movie called Highway that we have to do which also stars Selma Blair which is really crazy um and it's Selma Blair Jake Gyllenhaal and Jared Leto. Um, oh. I have it on DVD because I've never seen it streaming anywhere. It's from like 2003. And basically Jared Leto plays like this <laughs> kind of like a, like a playboy, like a gigolo a little bit, not like a gigolo that you hire, but like just like a, a playboy, right? Like sleeping with all these women. Yeah. And he sleeps with this, this wife, this like wife of somebody and the guy catches him. So they have to like leave town and Jake Gyllenhaal's like his Jake Gyllenhaal is in his like bubble boy era. Like he's still, it's after Donnie Darko, but he's still like a little weird and like kind of acts a little like mentally challenged, but I don't think he is. They don't Uh really touch on him anyway, but he's in it. So they both find out at this time that Kurt Cobain has died and they make this kind of journey to his memorial in Seattle that is happening in like two or three days. So that's the whole basis. And it's this road trip movie of like the stuff that they, the people that they meet along the way. And Selma Blair is one of the people that they meet along the way. Oh, wow. And crazy weird shit happens. It's a, it's an objectively bad movie, but it just has so many people that I love in it, like acting wise. So I was like, I'm buying this. It. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's a good random movie, but it's good. Yeah, it's weird. But that's another one that's like about, them going to Kurt Cobain's memorial. It's I, I don't really yeah. hear about it that often. Yeah. And also they had that really funny reference to the guy who didn't shower. 
Um, I wonder if that's a reference to like the Dirty Girls. You know that YouTube Dirty Girls yeah, video? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a reference there. So there were so many cool points that were there, but they were just kind of buried in this like really kind of shitty story structure and like overall story. But there were so many good moments and so many good scenes that I thought were really good for clipping, especially that whole genre breakdown that Rebecca gives. I was like, yeah. this bitch, I love her. <laughs> like, I love her so much. But the whole story is kind of shitty. But like, every bit with her was really cool. Yeah. Like, she, yeah, she, she was cool. just really cool. Yeah, she was so rad. Um, yeah, more of your fashion? I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Oh, okay. I basically have around the same. I did like Sybil's tie dye. Um, shirt that she had when we first met her and they were like oh yeah i love how they were talking about her hair like oh did she dye her hair again they're like yeah she she did it like this again like it's it's cool they were mentioning it that was a big deal when i was in school like if someone dyed their hair like someone would come in from the weekend and they're like oh my god kirsten has blue hair like it yeah. was like kind of a, a big deal i thought it was, well, it was cool. also like I, I feel like now if people have like blue hair or pink hair like they're like you know middle schoolers elementary school kids that like mm-hmm. now will do like a full head of color but i feel like in the 90s that was still very like controversial yeah and you'd have like jobs or even if like an after school job or even some schools were like i think one of my schools they had a, a rule for dress code that like you couldn't have non-natural hair color like yeah. if you dyed your hair you'd have to dye it to like a hair an actual hair color you could have blonde hair you could like bleach your hair, but you can never put like a um, artificial color. Yeah. Yep. So I was like, damn, I was like, that sucks. I don't know why. That's so silly. Um, let's see. So I have, she has this really cool blue sweater on too. Sybil does that has this like piping around kind of like the sleeve, like right to like under her arms. And it kind of like goes oh. around. It's really cool. Um, Andrea or Andrea. I never know how to say that name. I like the outfit that she wears at the house party. It's like monochromatic. It's very like Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, like the Calvin Klein minimalism of Gwyneth Paltrow and like oh, yeah. cruel uh what is that movie? Great Expectations. That she's mm-hmm. like really known for in like sliding doors. She had really cool tights on. I love the fact that um Andrea always wore like thrifted dresses with like a cardigan, which was so nice like that was so what I would wear in in 98. Like that was just a mm-hmm. common silhouette. So nothing was crazy in this, which I liked. Everything was very of the time. This is what all the people still had baggy jeans. I think she had some wide leg jeans and like Adidas gazelles at one point and like a really cool jacket with like a different collar. Like everything was just, I don't know. I liked it. It was very realistic and not like you know done up i thought it was really cool i I think you also use like the right word where it's like it's age appropriate like Mm -hmm. like there when i think of a lot of like high school shows now it's very euphoria where oh yeah like come on yeah like no one's wearing like are people wearing this like they're gonna get dress coded but this seems very like age appropriate there was also um i I forgot about one of uh, andrea's outfits it's like after the show when she's like in the barn and then those two girls come up to her and they're like oh my god are you his girlfriend and mm-hmm. she, it's kind of like a uh, like a glittery top dress and i was like this is cute yeah it's cool it's very yeah, normal it's very like what you would buy at the mall totally which is what i really liked about it and especially like she had this awesome well, first of all rebecca was like the beanie grungy girl 
So I love that she always had a beanie on. I think except for the end at the graduation party, she didn't. But I loved all of everything that she had. I loved her like complete. I just identified with her so much. I was like, this is me. Like I love she was she was she was the one that had the car. She had like the big station wagon, Uh and and she had like she had like the bong in the back. (laughs) when like andrew was like freaking out she's like here just hit this what's wrong with you and she was also the one that took her friends out to like different venues and stuff and that was totally what i would do or i'd be like hey there's a concert and like i don't know what it is i was like come on just come like you'll be fine they're like i don't know i'm like come on let's go to this rave like i was always the one who would drag someone else there yeah or like when i was younger so i was like oh i love her she's so cool that's so awesome she's like so rad um let's see what else did i have i did really like the lush like pullover that andrea had at the end and it was i thought it was a shirt that was layered like a short sleeve shirt with a long sleeve underneath it which she also had which i used to do all the time um but it was actually a shirt and it said lush and i was like is that for the band is that like lush merch from like 98 that looks like a fashion shirt like i wasn't sure of it i thought it was cool if if Lush was a band, I don't know if it was the band Lush or if it was like just a name, but I thought that was really cool. And what else? What else did I have? Yeah. I wrote boo on the cow print dress. Yeah. No, that's kind of it. I mean, everything in here was great. I kind of loved what they all wore. So I, yeah, I think, I think the designer or the, um, the, Oh my God. Why am I blanking on the word? Oh, the costume designer. Yes. Yeah, she did a very good job. <laughs> yeah, she definitely did. Um, okay, music. What did you get? Because all I have is just reading off the songs because I don't really know. What did you find um, music-wise? So I found nothing. Oh, I, so you couldn't pick up on anything. I wasn't able to pick up anything, but what the, the things that I did pick up on were um, mainly like the, the ska. Like, uh-huh. because it is like like you said it is such like a music fo- like it, since music is so much into the story yeah i was like trying to see music in that way as opposed to like a soundtrack mm-hmm. um so like yeah i picked up a lot on like the transitions where like they would play like ska music and then um and then like listening to the actual bands and what's really interesting is like the the rock bands kind of like you were saying where like grunge had already had like this like like 1992 to 94 like explosion mm-hmm. and now in 1998 like yeah basically the mainstream was just trying to milk rock for what it's worth and what's interesting was like the the band what what was the band called color color what, green yeah color green like they almost did like these ballads these like Mm -hmm. you know almost like life house like like life house yeah and and then uh, another interesting thing that i thought was like sybil is so cool but the music um even for its time seemed dated there was almost a little bit too much of like rockabilly blues in mm. the guitar songs and i thought I that was that. Kind, of, kind of an interesting thing of where they're talking about like oh like this is like a new up-and-coming um band that's like gonna get signed but it's like i think whoever was in charge of that there was a little bit of um 
at least for me, like a disconnect of like what would have actually been signed at that time. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, but but that's kind of like what I was focusing on 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 the music and um yeah, it was really fun funny to uh watch Tara read poorly lip sync. <laughs> I have to say, like, bear with me. I think when I was watching one of the scenes of her performing outside of her. I wasn't really paying attention to her with the instrument and like whether or not she was doing it well. So this would have to be like a future plan. But I feel like in that moment in 1998, I want to say like maybe early 2000s, we missed a mark because I feel like she maybe possibly could have pulled off a Courtney Love biopic. I feel like she has that like really chaotic energy that Tara Reid could like, she'd be a sick Courtney Love. If, if they did a biopic and she learned how to like you know hold the guitar like courtney does like if she got that down and got her lip syncing down and was able to do that she just has something about her that she just i don't know she could she could give it i think she could give it that crazy wow. energy oh i i really want a courtney love biopic so bad a kurt cobain one was supposed to be happening i think courtney did like release the rights or like she sold the rights or francis did something and there was there there has been one i think kicking around hollywood for years i just don't know if they've ever they're probably really like scared to actually put it out or like actually announce they're gonna do this because they're doing a michael jackson one which i was like oh Yikes. No, 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 no. So I don't was, know if maybe they won't. Who knows? Was Kurt Cobain buried or was he cremated? I think he was cremated. Okay. I'm pretty sure. But I don't know. Yeah, because I feel like if he was buried, like people would still be going there and like taking things. Yeah, I was so, going like, to say, I, I think so there's... That'd be a risk. Yeah, I think there might be... There's a not a gravestone, but there's a park in Seattle that has a bench. That's like Kurt's oh, okay. bench that's dedicated to him that a lot of fans go to. I mean, I probably should know this, but I don't know if there's an actual, like, grave... Like, just a gravestone that's not, you know, like, he's not buried there, but it's just there. Or, like, with his, I don't know, like, other family. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe he has a plot... Or not a plot, but maybe, like, Courtney has something in her will that, like, if she's buried, that he's buried with her or something, because they're married. Like, you never know. So, yeah, I don't actually know. I, for some reason, thought I figured that he was cremated. Like, Courtney may have his ashes. I don't know. Oh, another thing about the music is Tara Reid definitely did not... I mean, like, we, we know she didn't sing it. But the voice did not match her her speaking voice whatsoever. And that really upset me. Because I was like, come on, guys. I know. The the (laughs) other guy, too. Todd. I was like, no. This is not what you sound like. Like, when you open your mouth, I'm like, this is not what you sound like. Um, Another crazy thing, too, which... I, I've just put this together because I'm looking at the IMDb soundtrack list because I couldn't figure anything out. Um, I'm wondering if, okay, you know how several times throughout this film, it has a very kind of like, like a, a biting kind of shade to the music industry and yeah. like the nineties. And like, remember that guy that Kevin, the guy that Andrea sleeps with and he uh-huh. like goes on that weird rant about like, you know, labels don't want to sign anything. They just want to sign like the same shit they've heard before. Like, they don't, you know, and he's, like, going on this huge diatribe, which I happen to love. I love to, like, we were talking about it, and I was sending you, like, YouTube videos. Of, like, I love to bitch and hear people bitch about the music yeah. industry and, like, yeah. how corrupt it is. Same. But now that I'm looking now, there's several songs here 
that said that are like i think they're just the transition songs but it says music and lyrics by jonathan khan if that's the director is he salty about not being signed like because all of these like if you go to the imdb page and then you look in in uh, soundtracks he's listed as a composer too but not a composer for oh he's a singer songwriter what he has a website john con music John oh no oh god oh god jules john con is an la is an la-based singer songwriter whose music has appeared in many films television shows and commercials he has worked with members of the foo fighters creed and the wallflowers oh oh my god oh, wait jules my- listen to this. He's played famous venues from Viper Room, The Whiskey, The Roxy, and The Staples Center, where his band, The Color Green, opened for Creed. <laughs> Open for Creed! Lauren. Oh, Lauren, shit. this is about him. This is about this him. This is about this is him. His, this is his fan fiction of what never happened. Oh, my God. We've cracked the code. Oh. My. God. We've cracked it. We've cracked the this code. This is why we can't Oh my god. There's so many songs that he wrote in here. So not only is he probably getting money to direct it, he's trying to get some kickback money from doing the transition music. But all of the like really like animosity towards like the label, maybe this happened to him. Maybe one of his friends committed suicide and he went solo in a band. Like maybe all these things are like things that he's either heard or things that have happened or they're like dreams or enhanced or something but this makes sense i think this is his fanfic dude can you like send me all of that of what you just found yeah yeah, yeah. i'm gonna send you his uh oh my god this is insane okay so so how if if this was a he has an instagram adaptation, was the book adaptation like let's say in the book is the band called this or is it like loosely based on the book? Like I'm so, I'm so curious of what is real and what is fiction. Oh my God. John Khan. We're doing a live, a live dive right now. I know. Yeah, we are. Uh, bear with us. I need to do like the, I'm, I just texted his uh, website. Oh. Like that's has the first thing of what I saw. So Creed and the Wallflowers. He does have an Instagram. It's Dude. John Con Music. Oh my god! Wow, wow! I know, I know someone formerly who... of the band The Color Green. Oh my god! He's active one day ago. Oh man. Dude, he he was definitely slighted. Oh, no. He has a photo with Trump. Bye! (laughs) Like... What are... Dude, some of these album covers are really cringy. uh, Oh, no. John Conn, if you're listening, like, no offense. This is just, like, I'm I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, I can't. Like... Oh, God. Oh my oh, god. Oh no, One Step Forward by John Conn and the Color Green. This says One Step Forward featured in the film Girl, starring Dominique Swain, Sean Patrick Flannery. John not only provided many of the original songs, but he directed the film as well. 
Oh my god. Wait, so that means that some of the the music that the guy Todd was singing is the color green. Is this guy's voice? Oh my Cuz it god. sounds like Creed. I was like this sounds like a Creed B-side. Like yeah. what is this? That's what he was singing. That song Dude. girl at the piano? Like that's Whoa. him. Dude, you cracked the code. You oh my god. That's why she's that's hey this so this is it now you guys have learned this in real time that is why she's written like this he wanted a girl to be like fully obsessed with him discard her whenever he wanted when he went in, on tour came into town and then when she he comes back and realizes that she's like way too smart for him she has like a whole future laid out he gets super salty and then acts really weird at the end like that came out of nowhere where he was like no andrea you can't leave me i was like is this the dream what's happening why is he acting like this oh god wait was his is his account private no uh whoops i just saw someone else's yeah i just clicked the link on his uh on his website this is this is so insane this is this makes sense i totally understand everything now i think you're totally right oh my god okay well that's why the music was non-existent because guess what he doesn't want anyone overshadowing his music in his own movie (laughs) because i would have done a legit soundtrack this is portland's rock scene in 1998, are you kidding me? Portland, Portland rock scene in 1998 is Jonathan Kahn. Yeah, <laughs> no like... One, no one else can have it. <laughs> no one. Like, dude, don't... I mean, granted, you directed the hell out of these girls, but basically they were probably fending for themselves at this point. And I'm sure that they were probably trying to make of it like what they could with this script. And they were like, look, it kind of sucks, but let's just make this what we can. Because... Ugh. There's no way. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Was this even released in theaters? I couldn't even find that out. I think it might have been a straight-to-movie. Like, a straight-to... straight-to-movie. Because it doesn't even say anything about box office. Or budget. Like, I couldn't even find the budget. I was like, what did everyone get paid to do this? Was this like a, you just do the movie because you need to have a movie in your belt? And, like, don't worry about getting paid? Because the the budget can't have been that much. This like, is so God. fascinating. What a this fascinating so Im- human. Men are so embarrassing. embarrassing. <laughs> Men are or embarrassing. he's not the guy. He's not Todd. He's actually a Kevin. Oh he's probably God. more of a Kevin. Remember how he's like has so many like really, really strong opinions in the music industry? Although it's a little bit different because he does play. And then she's like, do you even play music? And he's like, no. <laughs> Oh God! Oh man! Kevin and Scott Staff is the Tom Sparrow. Oh my God! It's oh no! It's not Kurt Cobain fanfic. It's Scott Stapp fanfic. (laughs) He probably thought he was like the rightful heir to like the Nirvana, the Nirvana throne. Oh Oh no! This is hilarious. This is this might be one of this has ended up being such a good. This is why all of you, I feel like you, you're not, you're not really like that, but I feel like some other people I'm calling, I'll call Mike out. It's not really so much Charles, but I'll call Mike out or I'll be like, Hey, do you want to do this movie? And then he'll be like, I watched 20 minutes. Now nah, it's not that great. I don't want to do it. And I was like, no, but even if it's like bad, it's still going to be interesting to talk about. Like, why did you find it bad? Was it so bad that you couldn't finish it? And he's like, no, I don't want to finish it. I was like, okay, fine. I was like, sometimes I mean- movies are not great, but they're fun to talk about. 
if 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 there is a moment where I can make fun or talk shit about a movie, I will do it. I will take that opportunity. <laughs> I mean, and I hope that John John Khan is actually doing really well because that'd be great yeah. and good for you for being able to put a movie together. Because I mean, that's a yeah, hard dude, feat. <laughs> I I wouldn't be able to do it. John Khan, you have done more than I have, and like, good good for you, dude. Good for you. But we see the game. Yeah. We see the game. We see the game. Was oh, it a good man. movie? No, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was really fun, and that's a good transition into some of your favorite scenes and lines. Do you have any? Um, I have a couple. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are um, so first favorite? Uh, favorite scenes um was uh the first time that andrea goes into a mosh pit that was very much like my first experience in a mosh pit Um, it was i was like i was like 90 pounds bounced into a mosh pit i got trapped in it and uh and uh i was on a first date and my date had kicked me out (laughs) oh and no way I, yeah i was totally like I, I just was too weak for it but it was so much fun like it, it was a good time um and i kind of <laughs> liked that just because it was a little nostalgic um and then uh, what else oh yeah and then i really liked the uh, record label conversation scene between um between andrea and todd uh like the scene is so embarrassing but I was like I was happy for her that she had word vomit and I was like girl just say it and she it's also weird you never knew if it was gonna turn into like a dream yeah well is she saying that his reaction to it was so weird too she's like I hope you're not offended but like she's clearly praising him and then he was like it's all right it's all right and then he just walks away and Some like, girl what? totally did that to this director. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. And there's just something about it where I was like, go off, girl. Um, the way that he goes, it's all right. Everything's going to be all right. I was like, <laughs> what is this weird, like, some mantra that's going on throughout the whole movie? She started saying that. She said uh-huh. it to Darcy. Or I was, was it like, Darcy or the Sybil? And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, I was like, no, <laughs> please don't. Okay, what about you? Oh god, well, you know my first one is is the the in class conversation about like someone talking about how they like grunge and Rebecca being like, "What kind of grunge? Alt grunge, post grunge, pre grunge? What?" <laughs> I love it. I love that. I'm going to yeah. clip that that whole entire thing. Um I do love that she makes like a whole statement about like <laughs> she's like, "You can't go to the game." The game is like represents everything that you shouldn't be doing. And she like basically just kind of convinces you like this is lame. You need to be like in the culture. You need to go like do cool shit. Like I just love everything about um Rebecca. I think she's cool. Um yeah. I, I do love the quote that after when she does her first when she's at her first show at the Mosh, she goes like, You guys thundered. <laughs> and like thundered. thundered. That was really cool. Um <laughs> I said, oh my gosh, when Color Green performed, I howled. Like, I <laughs> I literally was, like, uncontrollable when this guy... The, also, the second or the last performance that we got, we did, it was very much like the Euphoria finale that we last saw. We didn't need to hear the whole song. We, we didn't yeah. need two minutes and 30 seconds 
of I that song. I definitely fast forwarded. Yeah, I fast forwarded. I seeked. I was like, where does he stop? Okay, there it is. I was like, I'm not watching this. Um, I do like the quote, congratulations, you've discovered life beyond MTV. Yeah, yeah. I do love that. Um, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, diatribe about the record label that Kevin gives about how like industry people aren't signing like real bands anymore because they don't know what that is. I was like, man, if only you could jump like 30 years, yeah. see what, what it's become. Um, I'm still salty about everything that happened with the Grammys. Although why should I be, why should I be surprised? I mean, the Grammys have always meant nothing. All the bands I love have yeah. never won Grammys. So yeah. Has Bjork? I don't think she has still. Yeah. I don't think she's won a Grammy. She, she's been nominated, but has never won. Like that's crazy. Like, yeah, that is crazy to me. But, so that means but it's something nothing. where it's like they're beyond it. I think they're beyond. Oh yeah, they don't care. It's just like a it's a popularity contest. <sighs> but yeah, fuck the Grammys. I'm still bitter about it. I don't even watch the Grammys. I don't even care about the Grammys. But I was upset. It yeah. was. It was a. Uh, it was upsetting to watch. But it really was. It really, really was. I did really um, love... Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, yeah. Go on. Go on. There was just a quote where um, yeah, she's like at Todd Sparrow's house. And she's like, he wasn't just a musician. He was an artist. And then you just see there's just trash and beer bottles all over the ground. His and I house? Was like, yeah. And I was like, well, this is pretty accurate. <laughs> I wrote his dingy loft and him cringe playing the piano. Take me out of here. Um, it was literally like uh, Ken singing to Barbie. Oh my God. It actually was. It actually was. And then the fact that like, I, I felt really uncomfortable when, when other oh, was really funny when Andrea goes to her like school shrink and she's like, you know what? I've had sex, but last night I got fucked and this is crazy. And I was like, whoa. This is a lot. And I cannot imagine. Her, I could not imagine all of her friends too when they found out that she was like definitely like hooking up with the lead singer of this like somewhat well-known local band. I love that Rebecca was just like, "You went to the boneyard with Todd Sparrow." It's <laughs> like how many different ways do they have to say this? this how is, old was Tom Sparrow supposed to be? I don't know, like twenty-five, or you think younger, twenty-two. Insane to me. Twenty three. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. She's eighteen, but she's in high school though. She's it's still not in like high she's school. in college. When I think of like the local bands, like from like, granted, I lived in, in an even even smaller area, but like, I remember like, you know, speaking to like bands that were older than me at that age, and like they like. Ugh, like it just gives me the creeps that she would be hanging out with a guy that much older but I guess mm -hmm. like we don't really know how much older but like if you look at Carla Carla looks like she's almost 30 yeah she does and she's just kind of there she's like yeah I mean why are you like hanging out at a bridge yeah. like why are you just standing there like the way that she comes across these different creatures it felt very like Alice in Wonderland where, like, she yeah. was just like, hmm, I wonder where Todd is. And then she just, like, walks around some random park downtown. And then she sees the sister. And it's like, find out the clue where Todd is from the sister. Yeah. Carlos and I was like, what? And she's like, he's in Seattle. Do you want his address? And then I was like, wait, she's 
writing him letters now. The letter that he writes back that's so obviously by like a fan or like a fan mail person. It was just yeah. like, thanks so much for your support. Oh God. It was so oh, cringy. She, like, pours her heart out. It's so uh-huh. funny. Um, I do love the quote that <laughs> that she says she's talking about Kevin because she's also like going through a lot in the second half of senior year. She's like sleeping with Kevin and then she's sleeping with Todd, but then she's going back to Kevin because he's always there and he's like always in her face and he like shows her all this attention and she's like, but she's still thinking about Todd all the time. Then she goes like, I have to get out of here. And Kevin's like, Oh, I'm going to come with you. They go to have coffee. And then he's just like talking and talking. And then she says the best quote, she goes, he was like a verbal jackhammer. that is the perfect like just perfect description of how he was i'm gonna try to uh quote that one too or like clip that one because i thought that was really funny because he was just going on and on and she's like i hate this guy yeah it's kind of funny i like that um let's see what else did i like i did i wrote i love the road trip to delusion (laughs) to go see todd at the very end that was pretty cool Oh, and I, I felt so bad for them, all of them in the rain. And she's like, this isn't that bad. And they're like, this, this is, is the great. worst night of my life. <laughs> like freezing, probably have like pneumonia being outside yeah. in like the cold rain in Portland. Like there's no way. There's actually no way you'd get me to do that. And then we get the last like 15 minutes of the film that just completely goes off the rails. I just said like, I don't know if what is real when he pulls her outside and they're like kissing in the rain in the alley. I was like, is this real? Did he just pull her behind this pulled it when he pulls her up on stage? I like nearly lost it. Yeah. Um, but when he pulls her in the they're in the nightclub and he pulls her outside and they start making out in the alley, I was like, is this real? Yeah, that there, there were scenes where it was so it was so bizarre, their their relationship. And I it was icky to me. It, it was really weird. I said it was also very creepy that he was like looking at her graduation through the fence yeah like what like you made the band van stop off at a high school like what also was uh was the dude from malcolm in the middle the other Mm -hmm. bandmate yeah okay Uh i like him i i i feel like i would have been good friends with him in high school like that would have been like the friend that i hung out with yeah i liked him he was cool Mm -hmm. um let's see then we have like I, I just wrote, oh my gosh. And then I was like, Greg? Greg just randomly commits suicide? A- and I was like, wait, what? Because uh, Sybil went solo and made a decision for her career and was like, well, they say you're not good enough musicians. They're going to put me with some new musicians. I was like, girl, you can't sing. So what are they doing over here? Like, <laughs> why do they keep you out of like, oh, we'll set you up with some musicians. She's like, oh, and I can't play bass anymore either. You're like, no shit. <laughs> you, can't, you can't fucking play bass anyway. So no shit, they're going to set you up with the whole band. And then, of course, that was pretty upsetting. But I never, we never, we just talked about it. We never got the feeling that that would happen with him. They they did no foreshadowing. They gave us no context. And no. like it, it felt very much like um it reminded me a scene of the room where uh Tommy Wiseau is sitting down. Oh wait, no no, fuck, who is it? I forget, but it's in the room and like this mom is like 
ta- talking about like something random and then out of nowhere it's just like by the way I have cancer <gasps> and it's just like poor writing just oh, where it's like so God. random have you ever seen the room no uh-uh <gasps> Lauren you've what? never seen you've never seen no no I've seen clips of it and I've heard of it but I've never actually seen it all the way through I was did like what ever, do I have to watch it did you ever see the room that James Franco no was in? I knew about that but no mm-mm um okay lauren we have to do a podcast on the room which one are there two different movies we well we have to watch the one so so the one with james franco is about the making of that movie okay but but we have to watch the actual room because it is it is like the ultimate it's like the worst movie ever made but it has a serious cult following yeah, I think I did see that it was marketed that way as like kind of yeah. just an insane bad movie, but I like insane bad movies. And like this movie, like this movie has little hints of the room where it's just like he died, like where's the context? Like you guys did absolutely no character development on this character. <laughs> like oh. but but yeah, it was it just kind of reminded me of the room, but oh my god, Lord, we have to watch the room. We have to do a pod on it. Oh, cool. I'm down. I see it here. 2003. Cool. Oh, The Disaster Artist. That's what the other one was called. Yeah, The Disaster Artist. Yeah. Oh, crazy. It's randomly playing here on Friday at midnight. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They they do uh, midnight showings, kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Another terrible movie, but like it's amazing. Oh, wow. That's cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Did they do the East Street? uh e street yeah yep yeah oh that's cool oh wow i'm down to watch it hell yeah yeah it's like on uh imdb it's like three out of ten stars (laughs) yeah i see that it has like low low ratings but that's because i think it's like marketed that way though yeah totally oh that's cool do do you have any final thoughts um let's see i think that at the end we got that random kiss another random context that i feel like came out of nowhere but i mean i guess they just it just like they threw everything in the kitchen sink in the last like 10 minutes yeah like and let's do this and we didn't even give the friends proper time to grieve for their friend who died like it it all like kind of just came out of nowhere but in reality, I'm glad that she left and we got that kind of like cruel intentions moment where she's like, I'm driving off into my life, you know, like I've left this weird chapter behind and I'm like getting on with it. So I'm glad that she didn't end up bunking off of school and going yeah. like, no, I'll go on tour with you. I was like, please don't do that. Please actually yeah. go to school. So thankfully they did that. So that's kind of my final thought on it. I think people should watch it because it's fun. So it's free. So there's no, um, you know, no risk involved. But yeah, I'm I'm yeah. excited to see what people thought of it. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a fun watch. I, I enjoyed it. Cool. Well, I'm glad we both saw it for the first time because people have said to watch it. So yeah, I'm I'm glad I can I can knock it off my letterbox list, which is in the the bio if you want to follow the letterbox. I'm obsessed with it, and they're adding TV this year, so I'm going to be like losing my mind because yes, I, I love watch letterbox. more TV. Yeah, me too. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> So I, I feel like uh, I use it the way people use Goodreads. 
Yes, I do too. I love reading the reviews. I think I'm going to do that now when there are no behind the scenes. Or maybe I'll pick out like three funny reviews for each movie. Yeah. Because the yeah. Letterbox reviews I, I are so good. Should. They're so fun. Yeah, the Letterbox so reviews fun. are yeah, they're so good. But yeah, leave us a review. Um, tell your friends. Join the Patreon. We have uh, Buffy's coming out real soon. Season four uh episodes five through eight and then we did a massive huge deep dive on the real world seattle which is out on youtube if you didn't know you can watch it there and yeah i don't know what we're gonna do there's gonna be some i think we're doing me and charles are actually doing crash by david cronenberg uh which i've been dying to watch for a long time i don't know what that says about me it's a weird film about people who get off on car accidents never seen it but i heard it's supposed to be like a great cronenberg film so That'll be good. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be good for February. So, so yeah. And then I don't know <laughs> what else we're doing. Amadeus. I kind of want to do Mulholland Drive. Um, I think possibly. So I don't know. Yeah, you'll know when we know, and we'll tell you, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.